ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey everybody, Brian David Marshall here with Magic the Gathering Hall of Famers, V. Moshowitz. It's another episode of Top 8 Magic, and we're talking about more Akoria Lair of Behemoths. Zvi, we last we talked, you were pretty wary of companions, but clearly that was just you being chicken little. And companions are totally fine, right? Two of them haven't even top eight anything yet. <laughs> that we know of. <laughs> uh, how have they played out in practice? What what is what's been going on um, over the weekend and 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 such since the set has been released? So companions are bonkers. Uh, I believe Tapin wrote an article called Zerde is going to get banned in Legacy. Uh, Gairuka had to be banned because it was the best deck in uh, in Legacy. Flash, I forget exactly which one, but it was, it was the best deck in at least one format, and it wasn't working right in the sense that it was bugged to work works. <laughs> like right, but I, 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 Leyline and it wasn't getting around Leyline and it was still broken and they banned it to fix the bug in air quotes in all formats okay. so <laughs> take that as you will uh, Lurus is insane even in standard uh, there are established like aristocrats I think won one of the tournaments like white black lots of tokens the mono black version that was, you know, Crocky's built one. I don't know who else did, but it's a pretty obvious deck. Oh yeah, Crocky's yeah. built like a cat oven deck, right? Yeah. Well, then you just jam every one drop and two drop that makes any sense into a Lurus deck, and it turns out you have all these sacrifice themes automatically, and the deck just works because you just have always having to replay. And you know, it's got the world's best priest of forgotten gods for obvious sure. reasons. It's got cat oven. It's got like lots and lots of things that just cost one mana and start attacking you, and just turns out that it's just too fast for people. Uh, Fires is doing pretty well as far as I can tell with the Macrosage, but is being held down probably by the fact that Luris is that good, and therefore like the deck that can't play that can only play eight two drops that are kind of mediocre, but has a good late game, has a problem with the deck full of one drops. So like at least that's what I can tell from what I can tell is what's going on. Um, but yeah, there's, um, the Umari decks, the, um, you know, the all creature stuff that makes perfect sense. There's some talk of that. So, I've seen your, I've so seen Yorian in the wild with like four color, 80 card monstrosities. Nice. So Yorian well. is the, Yorian is the card I've had now, the companion. I've had two companions more than any other companion in draft so far. One is Yorian and it's just been insane even in just playing a 60 card limited deck, like cards are good enough and there's enough one mana cycling, one and two mana colorless cycling cards that even if you have to play some off color cards, you don't ever need to mess up your mana base for them. And you can just dig to your card and having a four or five on turn five, like four or five flyer and limited on turn five is just great. Oh yeah. No, I've had a bunch of, I've had six of them so far. Um, Umori was the deck that was just completely busted. I had a constructed deck. Right. I had three of the one three to get to the four five on turn three and then a bunch of sixes and just, it was just, you know, ridiculous. 
Uh, I had Katira twice. Both of those, one of those decks was insanely ridiculous. The other deck was terrible, but had Kahira in 309 anyway. Yeah. I've had Karuga twice, once as the companion, once as I already had a companion. Sure. And, right. I just got the Karuga deck like an hour ago. Uh, the deck like, really didn't get anywhere. Like, the deck just, it didn't get much to work with. Sure. So the, deck is, the deck is bad, but I'm also starting up a card that gives you more cards. So it's like none of my games will ever be close. Do you um, do you start a crystal in your Karuga deck? I started one crystal, and if I had had three crystals, I would have started all three. I yeah, that's, started. That's that's kind of my that was my that's been my instinct as well with that card. I mean, I guess I, I, I had to make sure. I was playing four colors, so yeah, any crystal. I would have played three, <laughs> any three crystals. I was splashing red for <laughs> reptilian, uh, the five four. Yeah, the five four that becomes a creature when you cycle, and Genesis Ultimate. Nice, <laughs> because I already had all these giant things, and it's like, why not? This card is great. I'm, I'm not here to maximize. I'm here to have fun. And my first three <laughs> picks, of the, I, I started the draft. And sure, I'll take an Evolving Wilds. It's like I'll take an eleven eleven. Like take a Genesis Ultimate, and then I open the Macro Save. Fine, you guys. <laughs> so I had Yorian once. Um, I forget what happened, but I have a copy, so I must have gotten it somewhere. I think I had another yeah. companion in that deck as well, and I just played Yorian as Yorian. Um, Jagantha, I have three times because people keep passing it, even though it's the easiest companion to play. I've, I've like, gotten that. I've gotten past that a couple of times, also. That seems a little crazy to me. I I actually can't figure out how you have a deck that passes Jagantha unless you already have a companion. Right. And I got a and even if I did pack one once, so weirder things have happened. But and even if you can't play Jagantha as your companion for some reason, like you know, sometimes you just have like a bunch of other really good cards that you know have double casting costs or whatever. It's still really good if you're in either of those colors. No, it's, it's an amazing. It's a five five for five that taps for mana. It's a very right. good card yeah. as a creature. Yeah, and the last one I had is I had Zerta once. Um, I drafted a three-car monstrosity to be able to play Zerda. It's actually kind of tricky. And I was then informed that my two, I had two of the three five that gives all your vigilance creatures one in tap. Tap target creature. And I was yeah. told that doesn't count. And I was like, oh, yeah, no. technically it doesn't count. And then I was a little short on good cards. And I managed to only two one after a tight loss. Okay. Because the email deck was ridiculously bad. The theme of these. Companion decks is I play cards that are card 27 and it doesn't matter. Right. Like cards that no non-companion deck ever plays. Right. Right. But it doesn't matter because you're up a card and a bad combat trick is still a card most of the time. So Lurus uh, Yeah, Lurus is just a busted rare that isn't a companion because you can't actually play him as a companion, but you don't care. I, I had a Lurus in a in a draft and just went off with the artifact uh, sleeper dart. Like yep. basically, my opponent got a you know a huge mutate going that was you know a, you know had like you know three or four you know creatures mutated together to present some really dangerous threat, and I was just able to keep it locked down with a sleeper dart off of Luris, basically drawing two cards a turn. 
you know, there, there's some cool things you can do with Loris and Limited. I don't think, yeah, I think it would be really hard-pressed to make it your companion. I don't think you should try to make it your companion. I think in Constructive, you should make it your companion for the next few weeks. <laughs> Until they ban but it. Not, but not make any major purchases on that basis. I would put it that way. Sure. Uh, Loris um, seems to have broken standard, potentially. Like, I mean, I mean, broken is a strong word, but like, Loris might be the best deck in standard. I can only imagine how good it is in Modern Legacy Invented. Right. So you, right? you, posted, you posted a Loris standard deck today on Twitter. Yeah. Which was essentially a cycling deck. Yes, yeah, it's a very different Lura's deck. Uh, I haven't played much, I haven't played any constructed yet because I like to draft until I have the cards give me in draft mode and then transition to constructed mode. But this set is like a, well, you better build your decks while they last. This companion period, <laughs> not going to have 10 of them legal for very long, right? <laughs> so you might as well build them now. And, and the idea was, well, if you cycle, obviously you have lots and lots of stuff to play all the time, right? Lura's always has something to do. Flash, I was looking at the cycling cards and realized Luris just worked. You get right. a free Luris that always gives you stuff. Right. And it just seemed like a great idea. Because like the idea is you can play it in the I have lots and lots of weenies and I just attack you with lots of one drops. But you can play it in a reasonably controlling, like methodical deck as well, because you don't necessarily need permanence to cost a lot of it. You just need spell. And they're allowed. Right. Yeah, and so the deck is do, planning to do things like play ominous seeds, cycle everything, you know, between ominous seeds and the three one that makes one ones, and you know, the fire, the fox that grows, and the you know, two seeds that give you a little extra for cycling. You just cycle everything, and then you just replay them with Luris afterwards. Right. Just, right. You know, give, give you play the gifts, the gifts, uh, the opportunity on turn six to trigger your ominous seeds to make an eight eight stuff like that. <laughs> I think it's got some stuff going on. I don't know if it's good yet, obviously. It's not as powerful as, say, Garuda or Karuga, you know, or Umori have going on. It's got a problem. It certainly has problems with the Zerto deck I, built, I posted earlier. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious why nobody is trying uh, Luka yet. I haven't seen talk of Luka anywhere else. Luka was my number one card. Which one's Luca? Luca was the five mana planeswalker. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry, I was looking at companions. Yeah, I, yeah, I had a Luca in draft. Correct. It was excellent. Yeah, but Luca seems like you just tutor for the creature that you've chosen you tutor for, as long as I'm reading the card correctly, and nobody seems that curious about it. Like polymorph just, is legal all of a sudden. Right. I was just gonna say you just play it as polymorph. And you actually get multiple polymorphs off of it if you need. We play a polymorph, and then if they don't kill the thing through, they don't kill your planeswalker through the new polymorphed creature. That turn, you need to either polymorph again or plus it. Right. Both of which are fine. Right. Like, and then this card seems like it's you know at least on the level of Anissa in terms of I create a problem for you immediately, and if you don't answer it right away. In multiple ways, I just the game runs away from you. Maybe even worse. And also, guess what? Because we get you also get to play Nissa. So right. you get to build your database around Nissa Luca as your five mana target, right? As your entire deck's reason to exist. And now you can play all the acceleration you want, right? Because uh, you don't care if you draw these things on turn three. You know, doesn't matter. 
if you right. wasted a couple of cards. And you get to play Zerda as your companion through all of that. You get a, get a real companion. So, you know, who knows? It's not that Zerda does that much for you, but Zerda's still Zerda. Right. So, but anyway, to get back to limited, I haven't had I had I haven't had Obosh yet. I've had a shot at Obosh late in drafts when it was clearly too late. But Obosh was just a six five for for five mana with a occasional double striking other creatures that you had, right. but it wasn't colors. Um, uh, Lutri is the oh look, this card just starts in your hand. That seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like. <laughs> And uh, Garuda is obviously just a ridiculous six drop, you know, in your deck. Right. Even so, if you don't, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a, just had a draft deck that had Garuda and Umori. And Umori, Garuda seems insane together. Like the ability to Garuda on turn five, or if somehow that was a constructed deck, you, you know, where you're like, uh, playing a Garuda, a Garuda as your companion, turn two mana accelerant, turn three Umori, turn four Garuda. I mean, don't sleep on the companions just as magic cards, right? Not all ten of them are good magic cards when they're not companions, but not all of them are not. Oh, Umori right? does like, not seem bad, but for constructed, right? Like. I have seen Gyruda in Gyruda decks. Like, I always have a six drop. What I really want is more six drops. And the reason why this is done is also because if you Gyruda into Gyruda, you keep going. Right. Yes, I've done that. So, yes, there's a lot. I mean, it's legendary, so it's not the best thing you can do. Well, but, I, Garuda, I Garuda'd my opponent's Garuda. Yeah, and again, like, choose one to keep. But it's yeah. certainly pretty scary. Uh, Umori is definitely a card as a regular card. Yeah. And people are sleeping on Umori as just, I play Umori and then I name sorceries or instants or creatures, depending on my plan, maybe even planeswalkers. And then everything's cheap and life is good. That seems great. What do you, what do you think about the play pattern of Paradise Druid into Umori into Garuda on turn four from your companion zone? I mean, that seems like the default thing that deck wants to do, right? Like, to me, Gyruda doesn't play without green very yeah. often. I talked about this in my review. It seems like it's a green card that then requires you to play blue or black, but the primary color is green. Right. Because, obviously, your two-mana turn is get to four. Because you can't play a three on turn right. three. You can't play a, you know, anything on turn one, so you're going to fall pretty far behind if you don't get to a four on turn three. And then on turn three, I mean, one play is to get to six, right? <laughs> Ideally, you play a two drop into a two drop that accelerates you again and something that interferes. And then you have six on turn three, turn four. And then you get to play out your Garuda and then you win the game because you get your six drop into a six drop or four drop and they're ridiculously far behind and your deck is overpowering. Because you have no one drops or three drops, and your two drops are all acceleration. Right. So long games are not going to be lost very often. So, but again, like, you know, the, the companions are performing, I would say, at a level that's making my prediction look pretty good. Um, I might have even been a little bit lower. 
the mysterious thing to me is, if anything, there are still non-companion decks out there that are being played by humans. <laughs> um, so and, one of, there's enough so. companion decks you play and draft against, and they're, they're so backbreaking when you get matched up against them. If you don't have, if you're not able to play a companion deck, like the idea that they just, again, start on eight cards, have almost are forced to adhere to a more rigorous deck construction uh, philosophy than they might have left to their own devices. You know, uh, the fact that people are not picking Essence Scatter as highly as they should be seems crazy to me. I In haven't seen it very often. It's very, the way I draft decks, it's often difficult for me to, to take it. It seems like it's going pretty fast at this point, actually. I don't see it very often. Um, but as of yesterday, I was seeing them seventh and eighth pick, which seemed crazy to me. Okay, that would, that, that would make my list of interesting decisions by humans. Yeah. The, bots are, <laughs> the bots are human now, and they're worse. It's interesting. We can point about bots, but for the first week or two, Humans are really bad. Oh yeah, no the bot the bots are definitely like, you know, some nineteen sixties R and B breakup song. Like you're coming on back to me, you know. <laughs> like, you know oh, you thought you thought you know those exactly, humans were so wonderful. <laughs> you know exactly what you're going to get with the bots, right? Like you do five drafts. That's the worst part of them. You just, right. It's always the same. Right. But on average, they do mostly reasonable things. Yeah. Whereas. I got a fifth pick Kahira. Immediately tossed the first four cards out of my collection into the sideboard and took Kahira. Right. Right? Because I don't care if they're not allowed anymore. I just got Kahira. It doesn't matter. So I think that it's time to talk about cards. Like let's 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 you know it's it's limited. So the commons matter more than anything. Okay. I think the way. I think that's where you start when you've got a new set, right? I think you start at the common. Okay. So I could tell you that uh, my... Uh, hold on. I'm trying to see if I can sort this by... All right, never mind. So for me, my most, com my most drafted common right now in the set is Imposing Vantasaur. I think it might be number two for me because of Frostvale Ambush. Which one's Frostvale Ambush? The blue make something it's a four cycling four? one. It's cycling one. It does not have a casting cost. It does not have a text box. Oh, it is Frost, yeah, yes. One. Yes. Frostvale Ambush also very high on my list. Uh, <laughs> and I've cast both cards. I've cast Frostvale Ambush and Imposing Vantasaur for the alter alternate casting cost of actually playing the spell um, multiple times to great effect. I mean, Frostvale Ambush is very good 5% of the time. Right. <laughs> you have blue in your deck, which I usually don't. Right. It's very good 5% of the time, and it's excellent 95% of the time. Right. It's a, it, it does its job the other 95% of the time. <laughs> now, Bonnie Vandersar, I consider to actually be a split card. Sure. I will want a 3-6 for 6 reasonably often. I think this is more like a third of the time this card is better than second one. Because you cast it. Something like sure. that. Sure. I'm, I'm just saying, I've played three copies of it in a deck that couldn't cast it. I, and I, I have played four copies of Frostvale Ambush. I may, I, in a deck that 
had no intention of ever casting it, except once it accidentally did, and it got countered. <laughs> so I had this, I had the unpredictable cyclone out, and I cycled, and I hit oh, Crossbow Ambush, and it turned out that he had to counter it. That's very funny. How is uh, Unpredictable Cyclone? I have not played with that yet. You'd better be in. You'd better be all, all in. Like, you have to know exactly what you want. What it means is you play this card for five mana. You untap, and now every time you cycle, you cast a spell instead of drawing a card. Right. You cast, you cast a spell of the same type, so you can play all those imposing Vantasaurs that are still in your deck, stuff like that. So if you've built your deck very carefully, you can make things happen. Also, that deck had six of the Draneth, the red card, the, the red Draneth that does Draneth one damage. Stinger. Six Draneth Stingers, a couple of Draneth Healers. It was just a cycling deck. It was completely nuts. And it was just like, oh, this card is cycling too. And occasionally I just play this on turn five. And then I do my thing. And then you just go nuts because you get the cycling trigger and a spell. Over yeah, and over just, again. Yeah, Dr yeah, Draneth Healer has been, uh, is another card I have quite a few copies of. So let me ask you a question about, about draft and about commons very particularly. So yeah. when you're drafting, you'll often come to a point where there's, you're in a, you're in a cycling deck or lightly in a cycling deck and you'll come up to a pick where there's a Draneth Healer or an Imposing Vantasaur or something that's going to be solid in your deck and kind of like, the thing that you want to have a critical mass of to have your deck function and find all of its pieces and then, you know, operate, right. Whether that operation is, you know, the, you know, making an eight, eight Kraken or animating the, the dinosaur enchantment or whatever it is. And then you'll come up to a pick where you have a choice between two commons and it'll be something like divine arrow versus Draneth healer. And I think, Historically, the correct pick is Divine Arrow. Divine Arrow is a very good card. I, I, this is why I've picked it. Um, but I feel like I want the. I feel like I want the cycling card more. Like I feel like I just want like, especially if it's an on-color cycling card that can function like you described it earlier as a split card. Yeah, I don't. I, I definitely don't take Frostvale Ambush ahead of Divine Arrow in a white deck. What about Dragonfire? Unless I feel like I'm short on cycling, because you don't actually. It's not that you can't play all cycling, but the marginal value of adding more of it definitely goes down as your mana base starts to get weird. Right. Like when you're playing these thirteen land decks, and you're like, I don't really want to go to twelve, so this is tricky. You don't really want another dead cycling card. Sure. You're still pretty happy to take Dranifuel. Right. That's different, right? Because it really does help you because you cast it reasonably frequently to good effect. Like having extra two drops is a big deal in any limited format. So I would say I will definitely take Dranifuel over Divine Arrow once I'm all in and I have multiple payoffs. Okay. But I have to be like pretty all in before I'm going to do that sort of thing. Or I have to be not sure I'm white. That right. would also do. Right. Right. If I'm like, well, Divine Arrow doesn't just have my deck. I know Healer does. I have a Tranquil Cove and it cycles for one. <laughs> so I'm in. Right. It is definitely an upgrade. Yeah. I have been taking the 
a lot of Gaylands. Yeah, I've, I've, been, because, picking, I've yeah, been picking yeah. them up just in case, right? Yeah, you get a Gayland, and then like half the time, it's like, well, I'm playing this because I have cycling cards that might get cast that I can't otherwise cast. There's a lot of ways for you to really want that option in this format. So I'm pretty happy to pick those up. Much higher than people are. I get them sometimes 13th, 14th picks because nobody is doing both colors. And I never assume that I'm not doing a color until middle of pack three. <laughs> I don't want to assume anything. Who knows right. what might happen? I've been playing some really funky bills. Well, that, that's also but, something yeah. that's true of any format that has hybrid cards, right? Like hybrid cards lead to yeah. some really weird shifts in colors as you realize like, oh, okay, I've been thinking that I had these two cards that were blue-black, you know, that were pulling me towards blue, but actually I can go black-white instead of blue-white here because, you know, and have these cards that overlap those two uh, color pairs. Yeah, I feel like this format, the decks are very good when they're good. And if you want to go 3-0, which you do, you have to do something ridiculous, either be on one of the ridiculous themes or just have a lot of broken cards. And the best way to do that is draft the powerful things that you know would be great and draft a bunch of cycling one cards so you can cycle two of the things that are great and see what happens and maybe get cycling back. Right. How, how do you feel about uh, coordinated charge? It's uh, four, four and a white yeah. for an instant. Creatures you control get plus two, plus one until end of turn, and it has cycling two. I think someone cast it on me once, and I thought he probably just cycled it, just because <laughs> it was really awkward. Like he won the combat, but like he didn't get any tempo out of it. Sure. It cost five. Yeah, I don't. I, I, never, I generally don't cast that card unless I'm going to win the game that turn. Yeah, it's a cycling two, which is much worse than cycling one. I feel like I should have better cycling two cards to put in my deck most of the time. If I somehow got to the deck that actually won the game that way, I would feel differently. But that deck also like doesn't really want to be in the cycling business. Yeah, I, I, I had a, uh, I think it was in a Yorian deck, which was a red-white cycling Yorian deck I had, where I had two Valiant Rescuers, and I ended up with three copies of Coordinated Charge, and I loved it. But, yeah, I don't know if Coordinated Charge is a Yorian card. What's that? It's a Yorian card, right? It's a yeah. card that won't hurt you much if you need to fill out your deck. Exactly. That's exactly what it was for me. Yeah. But I have no, I have yet to have a deck in this format where I couldn't play in mostly blank cycling two in every slot I wanted to. Right. And I prioritize that when I think I might need it, but it's not that hard. Right. So let's talk about, let's talk about a couple other white commons. How do you feel about we talked about Divine Arrow, but how do you feel about Blade Banish? How uh, how crucial has that card been in your white drafts? Three W for an instant exile target creature with power four or greater. I usually find a way to use it when I have it. It's a lot of mana and it can fizzle, but I just not have anything to do. Right. So I've been not that impressed. I think it's fine. Yeah. I'd rather have one than not have one in general. But I'm not going to take this the way you take a pacifism or a divine arrow. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, what right. about the checkpoint officer, which is the tap target creature for one W, and it costs one W for a one two? I think it's pretty bad. 
Yeah, that, I think that's, that, that's been my impression. Yeah, basically every time I see someone playing it, that player is either bad or specifically playing this white black, like nibble you to death deck. Right. That is starting to be something people have found. And it's definitely making drafts harder in the sense that that deck can actually beat you with bad cards. Yeah. And I, I lost that deck today with a very, very, very good Garuda deck. They just got under me pretty hard and I couldn't stabilize. Yeah, it, it takes away that relaxation level that you had the first few days yeah. where nobody <laughs> actually tried to kill you at all. Right, the macro stage is no longer just a free action. Right, we're, is, we're in the we're in the Paul Ritzel tempo format phase of the draft format. Yes, it will pass, but for now, <laughs> the checkpoint officer is getting, you know, like Vladimir Putin on the art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the deck the deck was even playing Brian Day Squad Marshall, three uh, um, W for a three three makes a one one human when it comes into play. Um, have you? Like another card that just seems like mediocre, but I guess if you're just trying to go wide, anything that's giving you those two for ones is, is probably uh, fine in that deck at the top of the curve. Yeah, you get your payoffs. The deck is definitely a way to have a deck that does reasonable things without having to have good cards in it. And sometimes good cards weren't available. And you can beat people with companions and lots of powerful cards if you just get under them and then go wide because those decks aren't necessarily prepared for that. Right. So there's something to be said for it. I almost always have managed to beat it so far. Not this last time, but mostly. Yeah. So, uh, how about how about Helica Glider? So th this to me is like always like a uh, card that tells you a lot about the draft format. Basically a three mana, two, two flyer in white. Um can be a first striker if you need it to be, but usually you're going to make it into a flyer. How, how has this, is this card that you are able to find any time for? I'm finding myself increasingly not able to find any room or time for this card. The majority of the time that I have put first strike on this creature, it's because I'm going to mutate it into a flyer. <laughs> sure, very have, good in a mutate deck, yeah. Yeah, because you can make sure it gets whichever one you don't get anyway. And so it's a very solid way to do that. I have been fine with it every time I've played it. It has not made me sad that I have to play spend three mana for my 2-2 two -two flyer. Right. And, However, and it does, I was going to say, it does have an important distinction, and you bring up Mutate. There are not a lot of options in a white-based deck to mutate onto, you know, under turn three, right? Like, so assuming you have a Vulpakeet and you really want to mutate on turn three um, or even turn four, you're looking for non-humans that get into play. And like, you know, you've got Garrison Cat and you've got, really, that's kind of it as far as non-humans. I won't right. do it. I can't do it. I'll play some right. my saber. Well, I guess you've I also got the, the, the... I mean, the Roll is the one Mates of all is the one that you're supposed to do, right? Like, right. yes. You get vigilance, yes. and it's fine on its own. It's hold to the ground, and then you mutate. So you have a giant creature with vigilance that then dominates the board. Is what White's trying to do, I think. Right. But I never end up in that thing 
and other colors have much better ways to enable the mutate than white does. Right. So if I'm serious about mutate, I'm not going to be heavy white. I, I don't even like Mopaki. I think it's bad. Yeah? Yeah, when I, I'm tempted to play it as a 2-3, even when I have something to put it on, because <laughs> eggs beat basket, sure. right? Like, you put this on a creature, now it flies, and it's bigger, but not that big, right? If you paint three mana and two cards, three mana plus one or two mana and two cards for a 3-4 flyer that maybe has a little something extra... Yeah, that's fine, but there are so many ways in this format to be really sad. Sure. I mean, pacifism at common, obviously, a big a big piece of what's making people sad when, when they're mutating, right? Pro- probably, probably my number one common, actually. Divine Arrow, already in white, Divine Arrow probably deals with it. Pacifism sure. always deals with it, pretty much, unless it's just a mutate monster that like you don't ever have to attack with, but then it's still pretty good. Uh, Blade Banish is good when Sometimes it matters. Good. Yeah, yeah. If you're only three power, I'm probably fine with it. And just, it's so much less powerful than what other colors are doing with their mutate. It's just never that scary. Right. In, in my experience. So I think Volpakeet is a trap. I think people, including me, like it at first glance. <laughs> and then realize it leads to losing games. It leads to having things that don't matter. It leads to being down cards. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of cards in this in this set that are perfectly good cards that play Magic perfectly fine if you need them to. I played Light of Hope in one of my decks because a lot of the cards I drafted were not legally permitted to put in my deck. And right. I needed to have 40. And it was fine. Right. I mean, but that's, that's a card that's Right, it's got three modes. You're gonna find probably two ways to use it that are matter, and occasionally you'll gain four life. But you know, you're gonna you're gonna always find an opportunity to win a combat with it, and occasionally you get to destroy a pacifism or a red cycling enchantment or something. And if you're destroying a red cycling enchantment, I feel like that's not even fair. I feel like if somebody doesn't realize that's not the mode the card that's not the way the card is played, then you should just be nice to them and let them keep it. Like unless there's a card unless a giant creature is on the stack at the time. Yeah, I am talking about the reptilian uh whatever. Like the five four. Oh yeah, the five four is fine. Yeah, but there's, yeah, a, there's yeah. a common red enchantment that immediately came to mind. Like, you don't get no. You don't kill that. <laughs> It's not fair, right? The kid wants to have some fun. Let the kid have some fun. Yeah. Um, how, high, how high do you pick a flourishing fox? I know this is an uncommon here, but... That's uncommon in the set? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, and I've drafted a bunch of cycling decks, and I have not seen a flourishing fox in the opportunities I've had to do it. Uh, people, people I, have actually, I, think, I think the two times... I've had a chance to do the one time I had a chance to do it. I had a I took a zenith flare over it. That was a mistake. Really? I assure you. Really? Zenith flare is an expensive. Well, zenith flare is a fine removal spell that occasionally goes to the face and gains you some life, right? But it's still four mana to kill something. 
Sure. Garbage Fox is a cycling one, one drop that takes over the game. If yeah, you're doing I mean, your job. I, I can I can see it. I just like I said, I haven't had a, I haven't had a chance to get a pract any practical experience with it. I mean, saying best uncommon in this set is obviously aggressive. Like Valiant Rescuer is sitting right there next to it. And it's like, hey, you forgot about me. I'm pretty good too. Yeah, Valiant Rescue is definitely my favorite uh, cycling card in the set so far. Yeah, well, just I'm gonna do a, I'm just doing a quick parousal. Like those two cards are clearly to me better than any blue uncommons. They are clearly better than any black uncommons. Like red, red as well. So I think the only I mean, reptilian reflection is obviously higher upside if you, in some ways, if you get there. But those two are so high upside as well. I think it's it's probably just those two for that. The only other card that can compete in uncommon is that isn't multicolored is Auspicious Starks. Is which card? The green, the green six six Auspicious uh, Starks. Okay. It's the, the apex that's uncommon, and one oh, color, sure. because for some reason apex had a six card in the cycle and it's green and uncommon. <laughs> But it's a five mana six six as its bad mode, right. right? As its backup plan, and it's just. I mean, look, I like me some dire tactics, but at the end of the day, it's a removal spell, and I would rather have a bro I'd rather have a broken thing that has to be answered than a removal spell, especially if I have to do two colors to do it. Right. But I would take dire tactics in some decks over those cards if I was already both colors, but mostly. Eh. Like Samai Thundermane is much harder to use because it's, you know, two colors right away. If you can get there, it's definitely a giant house in those same decks. And okay, so there are there are two others, uh Trubbing Gnar and Partial Beast, both of which are Simic, are right. both insane. They're both utterly insane. Par Partial Beast has been so crazy good to me. Um yeah, that, that card's just absurd. You just take I over mean, the game. I mean, Parcel Beast needs to go in more constructed decks. That card is ridiculous. Ooh. If you think about it, like, if you go turn one, one it's constructed, right? Turn one off Royal Grazer, turn two mutated into Parcel Beast, tap it. <laughs> yeah. They don't answer right away. You just on two cards a turn for the rest of the game, and you're on pace for mana. And you've already gotten one of your two cards back. And you can also do it to your Gilded Geese as well. And who knows what else you've got out there. And it's perfectly fine as a four drop. But again, just gets you a card every turn. Right. Not good, but like it'll be fine. And then if you can combine that with, you know, it's, a, it's also just a two mana mutation. Right? right. So if you've got cards that say, mutate me, please. Because I get triggers. Right. And it can double with that. Right? You can just put it on your auspicious Sturex that you've already mutated and you just get two more triggers right away. Stuff like that. It's just so cheap. Uh, yeah. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of that card. But the idea is, yeah, there's a lot of really good cards in this set. But like I think Valiant Rescuer and Flourishing Fox are the best thing about white is those cards exist and people don't just first pick them. Yeah, I I have not passed the Valiant Rescuer yet, as far as I know. Yeah, but, I 
I can't imagine passing a valiant. I mean, I risk recycling too. So if you don't think, if you actually think you're not white, then splashing it is a little awkward. Sure. You have to actually have real white sources. Right. Sergeant Fox, that's like a first pick in a deck that you don't think has any white sources. On the off chance you get some, or you want to pivot. Right. Like that's how good I think cycling one is. And that's how stupid some forging Fox is when it works. I have had, we've all had those games. You know, turn one forging Fox, turn two Dread of Stinger, turn three cycle, cycle, cycle. I haven't had that game yet. You're making me oh, sad. Not that game. <laughs> you got on turn four. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Turn, um, four, I went, turn four, I went Stinger, cycle, cycle. Oh. I've also had the forging, I also had the Stinger on turn two, quickly Mana Side on turn three. Cycle, By cycle, way, cycle, cycle. That's. Well, I mean, we're, we'll get to red, but I mean, Prickly Marmoset is a card that I think people have forgotten that that card was just good the last time we had a cycling set. That card is so much better than it was. That but, card was but I'm saying, but it was still, it was still a pretty nuts. high pick, and like I'm seeing it go around the table. I got one 14th pick the other day. That should never happen. That I card agree. is bonkers. I mean, second best red common. I think you can make an argument. We'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah, let, let's talk about blue right now. Um, so Aegis Turtle is not a card I'm in the market for right now. But I, I predict as the format goes past, as we get further and further into the Paul Rietzel tempo phase of the format, you're going to see somebody post a controlly draft deck with multiple Aegis Turtles. I think they, there is there is nothing wrong with Aegis Turtle if that's what you need. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with Aegis Turtle if you're also mutating. Right. Oh, it's, sure. That just gives you, you a good block early on. And then if you don't have a better target, you just turn it into something else. Right. And there's no wizard bonus, but that's fine. Right. So anticipate another card I've drafted quite a few of at this point. It's the slightly better cycling card. You get a little, a little bit of card selection, but I, it just fills the same role a lot of the cycling cards fill for me. And just I have been too proud to cards. play anticipate. What's that? I have been too proud to play anticipate because it's like, well, what if I don't have any blue mana? Even though I've loved it in other formats, to play anticipate in a format where I can get cycling one cards, it's like, well, I, I have to have blue mana, and then I spend two mana to cast it, and there's no alternate mode. Like it only does the thing. Oh come on, this isn't, this isn't good enough. Anticipate but, really shines for me in my Garuda decks. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with Anticipate. Like, decks with Anticipate in them are generally no worse for having Anticipate in every other format. So I see no reason to expect this to be true here. I played at the Pro Tour not that recently. Not that not, you know, pretty recently. In Constructive. Right. Like, just for value, right? I had a Drake deck, and it was just, well, I want to find the cards I want to find. And I want to keep my meta on tap. So this is a good card. Uh, how do you feel about Capture Sphere so far? I've actually liked this card quite a bit. I've uh, been really surprised. You know, it's four, but it's it's Flash, and it just locks down a pile of mutate creatures. It is absolutely fine. I have no problem finding Capture Sphere. Like, we talked about Blade Vanish. This is better than Blade Vanish. Yes. It's essentially the same card, except it always works. And yes, occasionally they get to keep the mutate train going in some way or something, but... Mostly it's the same card. So 
I think early on nobody was taking it, and then people figured out what it was and they remembered, and then right. everyone takes it now. Yeah. Already as of Monday, and now I don't. I don't get the message. Yeah, you have to take the first or second, and I'm not willing to do that yeah. because crustacean. Nothing really to speak of there. I mean, it's sometimes fine if you need to fulfill some sort of deck building restriction based on a companion, whether it's all creatures or even casting costs or, you know, um, macro sage requirements. I I've I found it at least close to being playable in a couple of different restricted builds, but I never want to play it in a build where I can do whatever I want. Yeah, it feels like a card 26 for yeah. decks that have to play card 26. Right, exactly. Uh, Dreamtail Heron, on the other hand, is, I would say, within the first six cards of my draft. I have this way lower than you do, and I'm curious why you have it so high. Uh, I like mutating and drawing cards. It's really simple. So, I like... I like three, four, fire, but what this ends up being in practice, as far as I can tell, is you have two boats. One of which is you play a five mana three, four, fire, which is right, which is perfectly reasonable thing to do in draft, and something that every draft format eventually comes around to as people figure out the playables more and more, and your density of playables gets spread thinner around the table. Right, like as draft formats advance, there's you have less playables at the end of the draft because yeah. people have figured out what the playable cards are. And the, the card three, four, and the 3-4 flyer for five becomes more and more playable as the format advances. Yeah, and the second mode is you can give a you can draw a card and give something give something flying and bump it up to 3-4 if it's smaller than that. And even though you draw the card, it definitely feels like an eggs in basket situation to me most of the time. And I'm always like, well, if I do this, I could just lose all the cards that matter all of a sudden. Right? Or I could cash in a small creature for a card, basically. Right? And it just becomes a dream tale hero. Well, I, I think that there's a couple things you can do that make that work, right? So, for example, you can mutate onto something that's already given you value, like a Farfinder. Right? So you have a Vigilant 3-4 Flyer. You've drawn a card off of your Heron you've drawn a card off of your Farfinder, right? You're just, you're, 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 you know, just even on cards throughout that whole transaction. It's a tempo that I'm worried about more than I'm worried about cards. Also, the, the, the card that's really impressed me with Dreamtail Heron has been Fertilid. Hmm. Where I suddenly have a 5-6 flyer. Because the two plus one plus one, the two plus one plus one counters count. On Fertilin is weird because nobody passes me Fertilin, but also nobody plays it against me either. <laughs> I don't know what the truth actually is. Right. I like the card a lot. It's got a lot going on. Fertilin, yes. um, I mean, IV Elemental, you know, often does oh, yeah. that same role. Yes. Uh, yeah, I did Retail Heron. If your deck is full of things that love it, can be good for sure. But in a deck where you're not in love with this card, doesn't have a lot of things working directly with it, this is very much a maybe this gets cut to me. I, I, wow. I've never, I've never cut a Dreamtail Hiron, but I also wonder if this is maybe a difference 
in some of the card valuations we've had so far. I also tend to always have at least one keep safe in my deck, which is a card I, I really against me once, and I have never considered playing it. So that uh, that's interesting. Yes, but I tend to carry more my eggs in a basket, <laughs> where yeah, where you are way have, more adverse to that. It, look, if I was if I was doing an eggs in basket thing and I had keep safe and I didn't have better options, I would definitely be willing to do it. I just seems like a conditional thing that I'm not that into most of the time right. because of the way I play, just the way I want to tap out sure. all the time. But like, it's very hard often to mutate into the big thing and save two mana. Sure. If I had like a yeah, yeah. flash helps a lot, obviously if you're in the flash deck. Yeah. Um, Essence scatter, I, I, I think is the best blue common by far for me. Uh, I love, I love this card. And again, you know, it's great to play again. You know, you come up against a companion deck and you're like, okay, I know exactly what I need to save this for. I can see that argument. Um, I definitely don't have it as the best blue common. What's your, what's your best blue common? Of one mind. Oh, well that, that's, that's, right up there for me as well but I, I think I like Essence Scatter a little better but yeah I think I would be of one mind and then maybe Capture Sphere and then Essence Scatter personally yeah I think I'm Essence Scatter of one mind and then Capture Sphere I think that's reasonable um, I look I like Essence Scatter reasonably often I see the Essence Scatter out of them and I go well whoops but it's also pretty easy to snuff out most of the time? Sure. So, it's not clear to me. I mean, so, next up, what do we have? Facet Reader is next? Or? Facet, yeah, Facet Reader, um, which is has been okay in decks where I'm sort of, like, looking for something to play. Um, you know, if this, was, if this was just a wizard and not a human wizard, it would be maybe a little better. It'd be a lot better. You know, well, I mean, I so it's funny. I've had a couple of decks now where I was like blue red spells, and I would go turn two facet reader, turn three Dorat of one mind, and him that being a human was pretty good there. But I mean, whichever half, obviously, if you have the other half and you need to have one mind, it's great to have a human. Yeah, yeah, there so, are. A, lot, a couple yeah, times he's been... filled that void for me. Yeah, no, if you need a human, then being a human is obviously an advantage, especially if you don't have much mutate in your deck. Um, anyway, this card seems like you can play it as a kind of insurance, right, in case you get flooded or screwed. And it's not necessarily that bad to have to use it. Correct. But the activation cost, of the, the one in the activation cost actually sticks. Yeah. Right, you're going to be behind the curve the whole time. And so I, I've never played it yet. I've had... I've had the deck, the card as my last card, maybe a few times, but it's never actually ended up being in the deck. Yeah. Uh, Frost Links is another blue common that has felt a little less exciting to me than it's felt in past sets. The artwork is much better. <laughs> I went from thinking it was an ugly, ugly card to thinking it was actually great art. I really like this. Yeah. It's your personal taste. This is great. Uh, shout out to uh, Ilsa Gort. 
But as a card, I have never liked Frost Links. I've always felt like Frost Links is a thing that like I'm being forced to do by the format, and I guess it's fine. And now it feels like it just doesn't do anything relevant. Yeah. Like, I, I, you can't be wasting it. You can't be spending a card to deploy a 2-2 for three mana in order to slightly delay their ability to fight. Right. Because you're just down a card in a real sense, right? Like, you have to do something with that card. And yeah. I can still imagine this card is not so bad if you can reach it onto it. Because you, but the problem is, on turn three, you play a Frost Lynx. It doesn't do anything. Right? It right. stops two points of damage. Right. Or something. Right. And then you would get onto it, and then you spend two cards to mutate onto something. And right. I'd rather do that with a one-drop or a two-drop, rather than Frost Lynx. So, you know, the, there's a weird, you know, like, Rube Goldberg machine I've wanted to build where you mutate some things onto a Frost Lynx, and then you, like, escape protocol and get it to come back, you know, and then separate all your mutates, and then you go wide, and you get a bunch of triggers. And, but... No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, given the way they built sets recently, I would have liked this. I almost would have liked to see a card here that says whatever card name enters the battlefield or mutates the top target creature. Sure. Oh yeah. But well, I, I would I would probably first pick a Frost Links at that point. And I have no problem with that. But yeah, it wouldn't be common anymore, presumably. But presumably, yeah. Uh, we've already no, talked about Frostvale Ambush. Is Frostvale Ambush something you will... You said it's your most uh, commonly drafted card. I'm curious if it's a card you will first pick. No. Let's be very clear on this. You don't first pick it because you know you have it ninth. Right. Like half the time or more, you have this card ninth. So unless it is an extraordinarily weak pack, and in particular a pack with nothing recycling players, you don't even have to consider that more to the point, you know, it's not like it's that much better than cycling two and something you might want. Right. That's my favorite kind of favorite card is a card you'll get ninth. Right. It's a card that you'll get for free in packs that you won't otherwise get anything out of. Right. There are definitely packs where it's fourth pick and it's a Frostbill ambush in the pack. And I don't think any of the other cards actually add anything. And I'll just take it. Uh, I don't get it before fourth. Yeah. yeah. Glim, gl Glimmer Bell is there for the combo players. Um, you know, vigilance. And right. if and if you have something like, oh, let's say a parcel beast, you get to start doing some really cool stuff in the late game. Or if you have a porky parrot, you know, you get to start doing some, you know, old school horseshoe crab action. Yeah, I'd hate to see anyone pull it off, but it would be fun to watch someone try. <laughs> uh, Gust of Wind. I've liked this card. I don't prioritize it, but I'm always pretty happy with it. This card seems like it should be very, very good. Because, like, the bad mode is four mana repulse, right? At the sorcery, right. but yeah. that doesn't seem bad in a world where people are mutating onto things and Weird stuff, weird stuff is happening all over the place. There's a lot of... It, it, it's their, their creature only, but it still seems like it's perfectly good. At two mana... Yeah, but, but, if you, but if you bounce their mutated creature, they get everything back in their hand. Yeah, I know. But my brain keeps assuming that we'll wake up from this nightmare and they won't. <laughs> because that's not how magic works. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm waiting for the constructed 
mutate deck that plays on summon, but you know, or Teferi uses wrong creatures half the time or something. But yeah, oh, then, yeah. Um, no, Gust of Wind. Gust of Wind is pretty good if you have flying reasonably often, right? But I haven't prioritized it because it never feels like I need Gust of Wind. I've never said to myself, you know, this deck needed a Gust of Wind the same way you could say it needed Ness and Scatter or a Capture Sphere, right? So, and also, you will often be handed Gust of Wind very late yes, because nobody wants it at all. That's absolutely they, true. I usually have right. one in my deck. If I'm in blue, and you know, I, I have not exerted a uh, a high pick on it. Right. There's no reason to exert a high pick on Gust of Wind until at least pack three. At which point, yeah, okay. If you don't actually have a way to deal with weird stuff, and you have a bunch of flyers, maybe you do want to prioritize this card. But you need to have kind of both problems, right? Right. But. Um, yeah. We already talked yeah. about Keep Safe as a card that I, I've, I've kind of liked if I'm going to be doing some sort of mutate strategy. Uh, I, I kind of like to have one in my deck. Or if I have a pretty big... Like, there's a couple cards that you care about um, mutating onto something and you really want them to land, you know, whether it becomes a Dark Banishing or something else. And I really like to have a keep safe in my mix of, you know, spells to rely on. There's almost always going to be something that happens where you get an opportunity to turn this into a card, another card, and get some value out of it. Yeah, I'm probably selling it a bit short. Yeah. But, but the card that you, you have as your number one blue common is of one mind, which is divination with tremendous upside. Yeah, like Divination is a good limited card, right? If this card just was Divination, I don't think I would play it much in this format, in most decks, just because there's so much cycling that I don't feel like I want to pause to do this, particularly dedicated. Right. But when it lands, it's a one-mana draw two. Yeah. And that's insane. It, it, go, really, it really shines in the blue-red spells deck. Yeah, when turn three or four, you just get to do this for one mana. Yeah. While staying otherwise on curve. It just feels like you got a free companion or something. Yeah, when you, well, if you get, right, if you get to do the stupid thing that's like, make a human and a non-human token. Yeah, you, you it, just have a card that just gets you there. I have been right. yeah. moving away from it, but it's definitely an option. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've, and again, if you have a of a deck that has like a companion like Garuda, where you just really, really, really want to cast Garuda on turn six, well, you can't do it with Garuda, but you know, or something else like, um, I mean, this card's pretty, pretty good with a. I don't know, maybe what which companion would this really be good with? I guess none of them. <laughs> yeah, that's always the problem, right? Yeah, the, I was going to say maybe with the macro sage, but boy, you really need to be doing something to slow down your opponent on turn three with with that deck. Yeah, in today's world, you need to have a companion. So you need to figure out either which companion this makes sense in or what am I doing that's so insane I can be mulliganing every game. 
And I have yet to find a good answer to that. Uh, so I saw Martin Yuza playing a deck that was built around the, the four mana Boros legend, where if you attack with a non-human, you have to look for a human. Oh, yeah, yeah. The deck naturally had a bunch of humans and non-humans in it, at least a little. And therefore might be a good candidate for a one mind, although it's not naturally blue. Not actually that blue, but it has some blue in it. So sure. maybe that deck should consider it. Uh, it had a density problem because it means you to miss you try to find a human. Sure. But I can see it being worth it. Uh, one mana draw two was just amazing, right, in any context. And the backup plan of divination is not that bad. But yeah, my guess is that in general, also card drawing got right in constructed because you have eight cards in your opening hand rather than seven. Like divination is an amazing guard when both players smaller. Right. Because now you're both on six and now you just have more cards than your opponent and your opponent runs out of cards. So at eight cards, a lot of games will end before players run out of stuff to do. And like if the, if the cycling deck has a problem, it's you know, biggest problem is likely just that with eight cards in everybody's hand, what you're doing doesn't matter as much. Right. You know, making sure because you, you're doing these incremental things and well, you have to make your punches count. So. Um, phase Dolphin, I have not found any time for. I can see some scenarios where it could be okay, but not a card I'm really that interested in. Yeah, it, it's one of these cards that is made for these Simic decks, in theory, where I have a card that blocks reasonably well, and then eventually I get my giant thing through. But the giant things get through anyway. Right. They get through a little slower. I'm not in a rush. It's one of these cards that, you know, occasionally a bad player will go you with it if they want to play it, but it's just not any reason to do it. There's so many better options. Right. Uh, startling development, another uh, cycling one common that it's like fail ambush, but it works a third of the time instead of five percent. <laughs> that's a little high, maybe twenty percent of the time. Actually, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, and some sometimes blue serpent uh, gets there. No, I've definitely won games and won combats, won matches by casting startling development. It's a reasonable combat trick, right? And sometimes you find a creature with a zero zero base or whatever with counters on it, and it becomes a four four and the giant outs. Right. So this card is one of those cards that it wouldn't be completely surprising. I considered it for a constructed deck, for example. Right? It's a cycling one card that like all your one and two drafts are suddenly four four base. Right. Right? And it's cycling one. So worst case you cycle it. I thought other things are more important, but <laughs> it's not a terrible card. I am very happy to play it with you know two blue sources. Right. I don't even know what it would what would have to be on a card with cycling one to like there would have to be some I can't even imagine what drawback they could put on a cycling one card where I wouldn't at least have it in my playable pile to figure out what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Sure, like we talked about Frostbill Ambush, which is cycling one and almost blank. Right? It's right. just so much mana for what you get. Right. And I have played it blank. Like, literally blank. I don't have two... I cannot generate blue, blue, three. Like, just right. that cannot do that. Yep. And it's 
I'd be perfectly happy doing that. You know, you'd rather have a better card, but you're fine. And, and it's so, worth yeah, emphasizing. Zvi, it's worth emphasizing here for people listening that you've been playing decks that get as low as 13 lands in yes. your cycling decks. Yes, I have. And it doesn't feel that risky. The question is just, if you have a bunch of cycling one cards and one land in your opening hand, what do you do? And I still haven't quite figured I, out. What I, almost always, I almost always keep it because I feel like that's... I haven't gotten as low as 13. I've done 14 and 15 successfully. And my next, my next quest for myself is 13 lands. Right. With uh, 13, obviously, it's a lot riskier. Sure. Because but that's what you signed up left. for. There's 12 lands left in your deck out of 33. And if you miss three times, it's going to suck. Sure. Yeah. Four times in the draw. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. You were asking me, by the way, about what, what do I like about uh, with Dreamtail Heron uh, before. I... I I will admit that the idea of a flying otter has made me, has lured me down a road multiple times in draft. Thieving otter has been uh, definitely one of my prime Dreamtail Heron targets. Yeah. Upgrade my otter to a 3-4 flyer, draw two cards that turn. Assuming that, you know, the gate is open. Yeah, Thieving otter is next up. And I have never drafted it because people seem to really like drafting this card. <laughs> and I always, it's obviously a very good card, right? Given it just works. And it's a giant threat to just draw you out of card. And you can mutate onto it, which makes it very dangerous to block or impossible to block reasonably often. It always feels like a necessary risk. I guess, like, like there are packs where, like, if I was at a pro tour, I would take thieving on it. Because right. I expect my opponents to be very good. And I need to do something impressive. Whereas, this is a thing that can go wrong, right? I can play this card and it just gets... Doesn't block very well. Doesn't attack very well without help. If this gets bricks, I could just be in trouble. And so I just end up not doing it. Okay. And therefore, I don't have one yet. But yeah, yeah. I think we skipped uh, convoluted. There's not much to say about it except yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I I I definitely it was too it was it was too much text. I just skipped it. It's convoluted. I skipped it. Um, Wingfold Terran. This is five U for a three six flyer that or it's either a flyer or a hex proof. This feels like a card that was supposed to have cycling two on it to me. Yeah, either have cycling two or just it's for the desperate, right? It's for if your deck doesn't have enough playables, this will give you something that impacts the field in a meaningful way. Right. It's also a way to get hexproof in a field full of you know in a format full of mutate. Right. So maybe you want hexproof so because you're gonna put random giant stuff on it. And sure. now that stuff is safe. And and so I can imagine I have played it in a deck once when I just needed a last card that had some power in it. And it didn't matter very much that it was a ugly deal, as it were. That's the thing about magic, right? Like sometimes you just want some effect in your deck. And the version of it you have access to is horrible, <laughs> right? Whether it's limited or constructed, and you do it anyway. 
Right. I think I've played. I think I've played exactly one of these so far, and it was fine in the deck that I played it in. Um, but yeah, not not a card. Not a card. I'm really uh, keeping an eye out for. I you kind of just end up with it. Exactly. I, I, I do like your I do like your sort of boggles bagels kind of like all right I need a hexproof guy and then I'm gonna I'm gonna mutate you know this on it or I'm gonna get a classification on it and you can't do anything about it. Um, it's incredibly slow and clunky to do that, but sometimes, sometimes you got <laughs> what you need is what you need. So I, I would definitely take it late in the pack over other cards that I know would never happen because I might actually want it, right? Even though if I don't plan to want it almost ever, right? That can also just make your deck like much better than it was. So now we get to the blue uncommons. So some pretty good ones in here for sure. Boon of the wish giver. Yeah, that that's, uh, the card looks so weird. Like, nobody's ever cast it. Somehow. I've never cast it. My opponents have never cast it. I think it's I, pretty hot. I, I, have, I have definitely cast it in an Ominous Seas deck and proceeded That's to, you know, benefit from it correctly. That is the dream. I just sort of observing that in my matches, I have seen it cycled every time on both sides. Sure. But, you know, compare it. We were going to play a basically blank like with one card. And now we're being given an opportunity as the other side. We're being given draw four for a very reasonable price. But yeah, this card is a really exciting card as a draft card. I don't know how high to take it, though. Like, versus cards that actually have high impact and, like, really matter. I mean, you've already said that you take a card with cycling one reasonably high, so... I, I don't know, like, the upside of this card is higher than an imposing Vantasaur or a, um, you know, Mistvale Ambush, a Frostvale Ambush, right? Right, but, so, I know I would take it in those slots. The question is, am I taking it over top cards? Am I taking it over cards I actively really want? Right, so there's this tier of, I'm not going to take a second one card that doesn't do very much over the good stuff I'm trying to cycle too. Right? The cards that I'm hoping to see everywhere. Right. Whereas this, maybe you do. Right? It's not crazy to think that you do. Like, where would you rank it among the blue commons, right? Like, how many better blue commons are there? Uh, let's see. I like Capture Sphere better. I like Essence Scatter better. I like... Hmm. Not sure if I like of one wine better or not. Yeah, I guess I do. I think I put Boone above the one above the common, but not as the best uncommon in blue. I think that the fact that it's never bad and it's sometimes awesome is enough for me. And okay. I just I I would certainly be happy to first pick this to start a draft in a way that I wouldn't be as the other second sure. one. Yeah, yeah, I'm not complaining. What, what do you think the best blue uncommon is? I think it's ominous seeds. Yeah. I think it's not even close. Card's been really good for me. Yeah. Again, the worst case scenario is you just cycle it and draw a card in a 
in a situation where it's not going to do anything for you. Yeah, it exactly matters because obviously drawing eight cards sometimes is not going to happen before the game ends and it's time to, time to bail. But I would play this card happily without segment. I would play this card if you just had to play it. And I mean, sometimes it would be dead because it's too late. In most but, of my decks that have blue, if I play this on turn two, I am going to be able to turn it on within a handful of turns, small handful of turns. Turn nine is not the target turn. No, no, no. <laughs> no. It wouldn't be that bad if it was, right? If this right. card just said you draw the first card during your draw step, put a counter on this, it wouldn't be the same, but it wouldn't be bad necessarily. It would just be really slow. Yeah. I would think about whether or not I want to pay a two mana eight eight with delay eight, right? Is a lot, but realistically, we've worked delay four with all the cycling, four or five on average, and that's a completely different ballgame. Right. Yeah. No, I'm I'm very impressed with Ominous Seas. It's also this thing where those those games where your opponent plays turn two Ominous Seas and you're just like, all right, we better finish this quick because otherwise <laughs> you're gonna go really badly. Um, and the, yeah. Right, right. I, I've, had it happen, I've had it happen to me twice where my opponent had it on turn two, but I was holding the four mana kill all evens or odds. Hmm. Just luckily, like just coincidentally, you know, just randomly. And so I, I've not demonstrated proper fear for this card yet because I just knew I had a failsafe button. Yeah, I have mutated to kill it. I have randomly had enchantment removal with my hand to kill it. I've killed people first, certainly. Certainly. But we should show proper fear. I've lost to the second 8-8, by the way. Ooh. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I have not had that happen yet. Usually my opponents uh, concede uh, before I get, even get the eighth counter on it. But I'm saying I lost to the second. I, I had an answer for the first one. Right? Yeah. I managed to figure out how to beat an 8-8. I, I can yeah. handle an 8-8. The problem being, when you're handling that 8-8, you know that if you throw your two cards at it or whatever... They've got another time bomb in six more turns. Yeah. All right, they've used their cycling to get here, so it's not going to be quite as fast, but it's coming. It's still coming. So that card yeah. is out. So. How, how, do you, how do you feel about Pouncing Great Shark in your, in your uncommon rankings? I, I, have, I have loved this card. I mean, it makes me you know, hum a bit. Pouncing Shark. Um, ah. But um, I think this card's great. Yeah, no, four mana or an instant speed bounce to break up a mutation that you really don't want to happen or just generally, like, do what you want to do is a pretty good deal in many circumstances. And right. it's not bad as a five-mana flash card either, right. reasonably yeah. often. It's a card that plays good magic, and you see what happens, especially good in decks that have, when this creature mutates, triggers all over the place. Right. Right, so you can get a flash trigger on those mutations. Yeah. When you want. Yeah, no. And that's where it really impresses me most. Yes, I, I agree. When when you do put all your eggs in one basket, you, you do it with at flash speed. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not sure if I like it more or less than Archipelagor. Okay. I, I have not, uh, I, have, I don't think I've played with an Archipelagor yet. It seems like people take them really high. I have not had many chances either because of that. 
Six mana to mutate into a seven seven, tap down your blocker, hit you for seven. Seems like a pretty good way to start the day. Sure. We finish the day. And then if you mutate onto it again, you have to tap down their entire team. Right. Probably. But it also feels like it's a lot of mana to turn a creature into a seven seven. Yeah, and it, it, it feels like a lot of, it feels it, like a lot of work to me on either side of it. Yeah, and it's all a lot of work. They're definitely whenever I do a draft, I'm often want to make sure that my deck does enough. And this is one of those cards that can do that for me. Right, right. But the, the thing is also when you look, sometimes you'll look at your draft and you'll have, you know, one or two really powerful cards that cost six or seven mana to to deploy. And like, do you want to, at, at that point, do you want to add this card to your deck? Right, and that's, yeah. that's always the thing for me. Like, I feel like... Well, the- I've I've had a lot of good things and like, I don't want to just add another six, seven to my deck. Yeah. And obviously what you mutate this onto matters a decent amount, right? If you can give it flying trample menace, et cetera, reasonably often. Sure. You're a lot happier than if it's just sort of sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. Jumping around some more. uh, Mystics of Duel Oh yeah, this is a card I've loved. Actually, it's been really. This card uh, does. This card does exactly what you want it to, even though like it emotionally feels like it should. <laughs> like it just, you mutate onto a card, they respond by putting Mystics of Duel on it, and you don't get your trigger, and it does not feel right. Yeah, I mean, I understand why the rules work that way. Right. It's just, you know emotionally one of these things. This set is just full of that for me, where. Things just feel wrong. Yeah. Oh, it's not the end of the world, but it's weird. Yeah. How many uh, how many neutralizers would you play in your blue cycling deck? Uh, constructed or limited? Well, cons- <laughs> constructed. There's a very limited range of answers. I believe uh, the answer there is four if I can cast it, zero if I can't. Uh. And the answer here in limited is if I have a lot of blue sources in my deck, I cannot imagine cutting the neutralize out of an yeah. actual deck. I, I have not I have not yet cut it from one of my blue decks and have been very happy with it and have definitely found that drawing it on a neutral board in the late game where if it was almost any other card, I would just cycle it. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh okay. Um I've drawn something here, but it's not game breaking. I just want to cycle it away. I will. I will wait on this card and sit on it. Right. It's one of the few cards that I, that I'm like, uh, really, I only want to cycle this in the case of an emergency once I get to the place where I can cast the spells in my deck. This is one of the few cards with cycling. And we talked about Vomitous Seas. You take cycling off of it, and it's not like Vomitous Seas where I'd be actively happy about it anyway. Now I'm just happy. In some format, like in this format, would I play cancel? No, I don't think so. But I had to think, right? I think cancel would not be played in most of my blue decks. Right. But neutralize is not cancel. Neutralize is very different from cancel. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. So so, so what? So what's your to your your top blue uncommon though? Ominous seas. And your top blue common, 
is of one mind. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, who's sorry. got a other uncommons that are obviously pretty good? We haven't talked about Windspan Mentor, which definitely does some good work. Right? It's gives the guy flying and then threatens to just start growing all of your flyers. Sure. It feels like it's underperformed for me. It's not been bad, but... I, yeah, I haven't... Uh, I think anytime I've had an opportunity to take this card, there was a card with synergy with actual other cards in my deck that this didn't have. I haven't, I haven't had, like, a real Flyers deck that I could really take great advantage of this with. Yeah, in, the, in like, the Simic-style decks, obviously, you're happy to just jump your giant creature and then... Sometimes you just start growing things forever. Because yeah. of the install. I mean, Avian Oddity is the clean version of this, right? In some I sense. love, whereas I love Avian Oddity, yes. I mean, there's I nothing wrong with Avian Oddity. Avian Oddity, you can cycle it and get a bonus, or you can play a perfectly serviceable creature if you want it. Right. It's just lousy. So... Looking around, we have a Constance mission, which is surprisingly likely to get cycled cards in my brain. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just, yeah, occasionally you get them, and it's great. But realistically, you just cycled it by paying four mana instead of two, and then if you run another card later, no, that's fine. I mean, that's back okay. in the uh, back in the old days of you know, limited with uh, what was that, Mercadian Masks, when this was Coastal Piracy, this card got me to multiple Pro Tours, thanks to Team Limited in right ratings invites. I would always end up with, in Team Sealed events, I would always end up with the Coastal Piracy deck, and, you know, would, would win a lot with that deck, and was a big, big part of uh, getting qualified for multiple Pro Tours, thanks to it. And it's, it's crazy to me that this card is, you know, like basically all the cards around it have just gotten so much better that even when you improve Coastal Piracy by adding cycling, it's, it's not up to, um, necessarily up to the snuff uh, of the rest of the format. No, because people just die when you hit them. Yeah. Like it used yeah. to be you hit them for one, you hit them for two. It was great. Yeah. And then slowly you cards and you bury them. And now like, you play your cards mission and it's like, yeah, they're already kind of dead or I wouldn't be drawing that many cards. So why am I doing this as opposed to something else? And also I, the problem is card drawing is kind of cheap right now, right? Like yeah. we've got all this cycling, we've got the companions. I don't want to put this, this kind of work in, right? I, I thought about reconnaissance mission because of coastal piracy when I was building the flying decks that I posted on Twitter. And I said, no, I can't afford this kind of time. No way. We, you can't do this. Like, I, I think had, imagine, I, had, I had a blue-red deck that had um, Shark Typhoon and basically every card draw spell I could fit into it. So I had multiple Cathartic Reunions, multiple uh, Of One Minds, and multiple anticipates. Not that that's necessarily a card draw spell, but you know what I mean. And yeah. uh, and it was like basically I had enough card draw that it felt like Shark Typhoon was my companion. I just always found it. And then 
once I had it, I still had enough card draw left over that I would just blow people up with, you know, sharks. It was great. There is a lot of card draw and card selection if you want it in this set. Yeah, and I want it. Don't get me wrong. I want <laughs> There's even one more in these blue uncommons. There's this uh, Polywog Symbiote. Another, another card I haven't played with. I want to pause for a second, by the way. I love the look, the visual look of these Godzilla cards. But I also really wish they would stop showing them to me when I wasn't playing. Right? Just, every time I'm in a draft and suddenly the card comes up with some Godzilla name, and now I have to remember both names. <laughs> really annoying. I don't like it. It just, just default is bad. I, yeah. And, I, and I've done so many drafts that, like, you know, Half of the set or something shows up as a Godzilla. Yes. It's yes. a lot. It's a lot. And it's an uncommon. It's like, okay, for Mythics, sure, right? I, I understand that I'm going to read the card anyway. That's fine. But uncommons, this is, come on, guys. Come on. Yeah. Like, this and this this the egg are just, and the, you know, the other uncommons are just not, they don't seem like reasons. This card is kind of bonkers. Like, I don't have it in my top tier because it's not bonkers unless you get there. But, when you get there, like this is man acceleration and card selection and decent numbers to start with. And, you know, it definitely makes me think about constructed a bit. I don't think it's good enough, but. Right. Questions that could be asked, certainly. Interesting. So, yeah, so the creature spells, creature spells cost one less to cast if it has mutate, but it does not reduce the mutate cost at all. Yeah, it does. It does? It's still a creature card. Sure, you but, the mutate, but the, the mutate counts as cast? Uh, Arena like, I guess so, yeah. I wasn't sure. That the first time I clicked on one, I wasn't sure. Because the set is like that, right? You're just like, well, Arena should know, right? I'm going to try and cast the spell and see what happens. And then it works. Okay, good. I wasn't sure either. Yeah. So then we have like Escape Protocol is the one bad uncommon. Like Reconnaissance Mission is like lousy, but it's got cycling two and does something sometimes. Right. Escape Protocol is just bad. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and it's it's exile target artifact or creature you control, so you don't even get to like blink your opponent, you know, use it as a tapper on your opponent's creatures or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's kind of the worst. Astral Slide ever in this context. It doesn't have cycling itself. It's like a mess given everything else that's going on for limited. Right. Now for constructed, it wouldn't surprise me if there's stuff you can do here. Sure. I mean, I guess if I guess if you had enough copies of things like Frost Links, and I don't know what other good ETBs there are. And you were full of cycle. So then you have to also be full of cycle. Right, right. Make it work. Yeah, and none of the cycling cards, I think, have come into play effects that make you want to do this. Right, and you have to pay, and then you have to pay an additional one too. So, yeah, you need to pay an additional one. It's not like you can just like you know get this down on turn two and then like you know machine gun someone with an uro. Right. <laughs> I mean, things that would be nice, right, or a. Uh, or, the, the red black one same way like there's a couple of play effects in standard but if you have to pay one every time to flicker it 
any pain investment. There's just no way this happens. Do you, do you see yourself ever siding this in against a very removal heavy deck? Like one of those decks that just doesn't have a ton of stuff to do. You know, you know the deck I'm talking about, right? Like they've got like nine creatures and they're just going to kill everything you play and eventually land something to kill you when you've exhausted, you know, like exhaust you just one for one, no. one for one. The problem is you have to say two mana at all times, not one. Right, because you need cycling time. mana and, and one mana. Right, even in the best case, you have to spend two. And that just seems like a lot to save in general for something you have to invest in and then save. So now you're down two mana that turn and then every turn after that if you want to use it. Right. I just don't see it unless you have explicit payoffs somewhere. Right. All right, let's, let's talk. I don't even know what happens to the creature, by the way, if you butter it. I have no idea. A mutate creature? Yeah. Uh, and creature. so if you, if you flicker a mutate creature, let's just say there's... Let's just say you have a Thieving Otter that has a Dreamtail Heron and a Vulpakeet on it. Yeah. Um, you would, they would flicker out and they would come in as three separate creatures. Okay, that was my main primary guess, but I only had like 70% to work. Yeah, I, I only know this from Yorian decks. Right, and I'm saying like, that was my guess, but yeah. no, not. Yeah, I'm, saying, I'm just saying I would be guessing as well if I hadn't actually flickered something. Yeah, and, and to me, like, this is, this is a, this is a problem, right? Like, I shouldn't, we've been playing this game for 25 years. <laughs> we, we should not be unsure what the uncommons do. Right. To it's my funny. own demerit, I've been asking these questions for 25 years. I feel like I'm asking more of them with this set, but there's always something, you know, there's always some rules clarification. So, when I ask these questions with this set, I don't feel dumb, right? Like, every now and then you'll be like, I have a dumb question. Judge, I'm not sure right. I want to be sure. And now right. it's like, no, I just have a question. Right. I'm not dumb. I just have a question. Can somebody please explain this to me? Oh, my God. I mean, think about if this had had a paper pre-release. And I guess, I mean, I guess it did in Japan, right? But, like, if we had a paper pre-release for this, like how dense, like, like the demands that would have been put on Eric Smith's time at our event would have been tremendous, right? It would have just been like constant judge, 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 judge. Yeah, the good news is that even if that slows down games by a lot, it's still going to be faster than the previous two sets. <laughs> like, Tornadal Drain and Theros actively had problems in sealed deck where matches just didn't finish at all. Sure. And I don't think this set would have that same problem. Right. No, no, the, the problem, the sort of equivalent problem in this set is certainly decking yourself. Yeah. Right? Like, like the fail rate on the, like the fail rate on the set you're talking about is like, I run out of time to finish my match. But the fail rate here has definitely been, oh crap, <laughs> I don't have enough cards you know, to have all the turns that I want to win this game. I mean, Saddest Creature is the 3-3 three, three green creature, right, for 2 and G, that would have been completely busted in Theros back when Milling Yourself was good. And now oh, Milling Yourself... Oh, yeah, yes, yes. The, the Excavation Mole. I, yeah. I actively don't play this card sometimes. 
Yeah, I mean, I have it in my neck right now because I have an acrosage age and I have to. I used to have to go every three drops I could find to make sure I just don't die. But I'm pretty unhappy about it. Like, I can deck myself for sure. Yes. Yes. Like, what am I going to do? Not play it? It's just, you know, some games, yes. Not play it. Keep it in your hand. But yeah. All right, All right, so, so let's um, let's let's talk about black, and then uh, we'll do another episode tomorrow and wrap up the set. Sure. So, because this this is definitely veer, veering into into two hour uh, limited set review here. So, um, okay. So, Blitzleech is our first black common five B for a five two flash. Uh, when Blitzleech enters the battlefield, target a creature opponent controls gets minus two minus two. So. This is, you know, set up to be a card that gets you like a two for one, right? Like you're going to trade with a card in combat and maybe kill something else in like the best yeah. scenario. Minus two, minus two, and remove all counters will like randomly kill things sometimes, or it will randomly make them vulnerable to a reasonable, you know, to a big trade down in another exchange. And a five two still has five damage, so it can it can kill things, right? It's one of those cards that this occasionally will look pretty good, but mostly will feel like a lot of mana to pay for them. It, 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 really, it really does feel like a lot of mana to pay for a card without cycling. Yeah, I'm much, much happier with cycling cards that cost six than I am with that, even yeah. though it is somewhat better when cast. Not much, much better than cast, but somewhat better. Um, yeah, if you have to play it, it's fine. It's just, right. I prefer. Yeah. Blood uh, you're always going to play 3B uh, for a Dark Banishing with upside. I mean, better than a Dark Banishing, right? Destroy target creature. Any creature. Very, and very then put a Menace card. Counter. Yeah, put a Menace Counter on creature you control. Where, where do you have this in your Black Commons ranking? I don't think there's anything close to it. I think it's obviously the best Black Commons. Okay, all right, good. <laughs> I, mean, I, I have been very unimpressed in general by Black. I don't feel like Black is letting me do cool things from this format. Like, looking at these commons, I understand why I never end up in Black. Right. And, and, in, and in fact, with, with a casting cost like three and just a single B, like, you encourage people to, like, poach this premium Black card into decks that might not be heavily Black. Or that can splash this card off of yes. a couple of gain lands. And we usually have six to eight sources of this card at most when I cast it, in my experience. I haven't had a primary black deck in a while, I think. I've got, yeah. there's only four black cards that even have four copies drafted of. Like Durable Coin Coil Bug, because I realized that was a good card before other people, and so I got a bunch of them 12 and 13. Okay. Like, even decks that weren't black, just in case I wanted it. Um, Boot Nipper. Definitely a card I was going to ask you about, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great card. It's an amazing, it's a great two-drop. It's probably the second best black on it, uh, to me. Like, I don't think Dead Weight is, like, that exciting. Well, you have, you have Durable, uh, durable Coil Bug as your second best black common, or Boot Nipper? I was thinking Boot Nipper, but just okay. being able to go Death Touch is pretty strong. You don't have to if you don't want to. But like two Fantastic. power plus Death Fantastic in green nice black. Game. Yeah, Coin Bug isn't that bad either. Um, however, from 
from my perspective, it's almost like the second best black comedy is never. The second best black comedy is what? It's Memory Leak. Memory Leak has been a backbreaking card to play against. Yeah, it's a second one card. And every now and then, coercion just. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I have definitely been just felt like my entire glass house crumpled down around me uh, after getting memory leak. If anything, I have been surprised at how this wasn't stupid. Like, this card has been good, but fair. In practice, I've also been splashing it pretty aggressive. Sure. Right? Because, like, memory leak is a cycling one card that if you have two or three sources, you are still pretty happy that it has text. Right. Because reasonably often is so amazing that you can cast this, right? You can think to yourself, well, if I cast Memory Leak here, I think I just win the game, right? Because, like, the chance they have two cards that matter is so low and that they have none, you've already won. So you just cast it. Right. And then the game is over. Plus, you get a ton of intelligence and you know what to do. And so I've been very, very happy with this card. People seem to be passing it a lot. But, like, it represents, you know, Blood Curdle plus Memory Leak is, like, half of my black cards played as common this point because so many of the others are a combination of bad and actually black and right now i don't feel the need to play actually black cards right i mean the problem is like just looking at it right like the red Scorp scorpion is bad whisper squad bad corpse churn is bad unexpected fangs is bad gloom pack gloom uh, pangolin is bad right like I mean, I'm Next here to defend. I'm here to defend Corpse Churn, but yeah, I mean, it's not the worst card, but like, you have a companion, like, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've Corpse Churn, like, I've definitely had like Ger Garuda decks that have a Corpse Churn to bring back Garuda if they kill it. And then if you don't have a companion, right? If you have a companion, then oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you can like play the long game there, but in general, it's just a it's not a it's not a great raised deck. Like it's 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 not a card it's not a card I plan for, certainly, but it, it is definitely a card that I like having in in certain decks and, and certainly a companion deck is is one of those. Right. Uh, it's going like, night squad, yeah, night squad commando, like you have to be doing the thing pretty aggressively or it's bad. Suffocating fumes, like barely has text on it. It's cycling two. Like, Dark Bargain is not where you want to be in this format because you have so many better ways to get through your deck. Right? It's much worse than it was last time. Sure. It's, I, I think it's still fine-ish. Right. Uh, and so, like, in my mind, like, Looking Dead Eye's fine, but it's fine. Right. Cavern Whisper is fine. Right? Like, it's, it's good if you, like, want to get monstrosities going and have an access to black but like it's okay otherwise like fine uh bushmeat poacher is like pretty good in the decks that want it i, I was i think i think i think bushmeat poacher has uh has definitely been very very good for me thus far can be it's a lot of investment to get it there is, it is again you know the deck that you're playing it in tends to be a deck that's gonna going to grind the game out a little bit and really win with two cards left in your library and that kind of that kind of situation but i i have definitely yeah. uh i have definitely appreciated that card 
just a contrast of in many formats past, including very recently, right? The black commons are like obviously the best common. Or very or very much near the top. And here I just don't feel that way. You know, I like so, the aid is like an emergency trick. It's a, it's a combat trick. Right. It's like pretty medium combat trick. It, it's like, basically <laughs> unlikely aid is almost like the uh, keep safe that doesn't draw you a card. Yeah, you win a combat. I mean, it's, you do win, right? Except it's it's usable in combat. Is is the upside? Basically, what happens is people people will attack me representing unlikely aid, and then I will call because the deck because the deck contains unlikely aid. The deck is bad. I'm going to win this game. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the deck and or they are bad. And you know what? The trade wasn't even that bad for me, right? You spent your third turn or fourth turn killing my guy I just played, and then I play my next guy. Like, I don't care. Right. So rather than give it a chance to do something more important later, I'll just call. Like, maybe you were at, maybe you were about to miss your curve, and I'm sad, but I just don't care very much. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at, I've only drafted five of the Black Uncommon at all. Okay. At so what, what do you think about the Black Uncommon so far? Um, so there are some things to discuss for sure. Uh, Grim Dancer is a very, very good card if you actually have enough black mana. I keep drafting so, it because it shouldn't have drafted it because two black mana is actually remarkably annoying when you don't like the black cards. Right. But it's a very, very good card. Like it's, you know, Grim Dancer might be a better card than Heartless Act. Because okay. it's just so impactful. If you can cast it. Like, Heartless Act is a very, very good card that's always amazing. Right? You can just splash this card. Uh, I think you have to, if you're talking about the Black Uncommons, and we mentioned earlier this, like, nibble to death by Ducks deck, that this Black-White, like, just kind of, like, may go wide, keep attacking you, and, you know, just, like, wear down your, your life total by just throwing waves of creatures at you. Uh, Bastion of Remembrance has been a shockingly good card in that deck against me. That card, to me, is the card that they need to be able to do the thing. Like, if they don't have Bastion of Remembrance, their deck doesn't even play. Right. Many kinds. Right. But I'm saying it's like one of these cards that you look at it, you're like, yeah, this card's fine. It might be okay. But if you find the right deck for it, which certainly exists in this draft format, the, the card, you know, just benefits so much from the synergy of you know, being able to make all these tokens. No, it, it's a case of, do you want to go there? Because if you want to go there, you'd better go there, right? This card is going to be bad if you don't go there. But if you go there for reals the whole way, and this card could potentially be quite good. Right. And I think we're on the same page on that. This card yeah. is potentially quite good. Yeah. But, but, not, but not, where, not where you want to be starting the draft. Definitely not the first card I want. I mean, there's an argument that if you just start the draft this way, then you know who you are. But that would be a case where, like, if you think that you know how to draft that deck and no one else wants it. Most of the time. <laughs> sure, sure. And now so we're... Like, we're what, what we would call a Christian Calcano deck. Yeah, you're just praying no one else tries, right? Because yeah. if they do, you're going to have a hard... You're going to have a bad time. Right? As opposed to... Well, Lynn Black always has some good uncommons. Uh, I love Space Godzilla. Not a metaphor. <laughs> right, Void Beckoner's Space Godzilla Void Invader because cycling for Death Touch is actually just going to draw a combat 
and occasionally get to eight and you're just like okay wow yeah right. um here's a we're talking about heartless acts and those three are pretty awesome for everyone but compared to most black sets i feel like the rest of it is pretty bad yeah i i think you're i think you're right i i have uh, most of the time when I've been leaning into, um, you know, like eight or more black sources, it's because I have things like Garuda or Mori or, you know, stuff on the rare side of the draft, you know, of the draft of the drafted cards. Yeah, I feel like if I'm in black, then I need good things to happen to get caught. If right. I'm in other colors, almost I think any of the other, like certainly. I think any other colors, I don't feel that way, right? Black is like, well, okay, tutoring harvester is fine. And after that, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, and, and, and uh, Dust Play Mentor is like pretty good. But like all the mentors are, are good cards. But like we've still got like Insatiable Hemophage and Call of the Death Dweller and Easy Prey, which is like, you know, second to... Like sure. mediocre going to Unbreakable Bond, which is outrageously expensive. Like I just don't want this card. Right. And Zagaf Mamba, when it works, it's nice, but it better work. Right? It better work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I this is not the one one for one I want to put in my deck, but No. There are decks where I would play it. And be happy to have it. And there are decks where you're desperate for something, and this becomes a actively good version of the thing because you were desperate. But kind of because you were kind of desperate earlier, right? It sort of all goes together. So, so something just uh, we'll 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 wrap up here on on black, and we'll we'll do another we'll do another one to finish up the uh, limited look at this set, but. One of the things I, I had talked about a long time ago on limited resources with Marshall was this idea of uh, prints or pauper formats, right? The idea of like some formats, limited formats are dictated by the commons and the uncommons, and some formats are just absolutely dominated by the rares, right? If you don't have the rares, don't show up. And I'm curious where you think this field with where you think this format is and based on your discussion of companions i have a feeling that you think this is a prince format but i wanted to see what you think after you know uh you know like a, a little less than a week of drafting there's at least one popper in the house i would say sort of the your deck is going to be made or you need your deck to have good cards in it but you can't just not get rare and not have anything at the high end unless you get like Unless you have broken cards and uncommon and common. Right. The thing is that, in particular, the cycling cards go bonkers if you get them. Right. It would be the one big exception to me. The cycling deck does very, very powerful things continuously every game and then does that with a bunch of cards where, as long as you get the key uncommons that everybody should want, the rest of your cards are cards nobody wants. Right. Or, or, or even if, even if want nobody them, wants them, they're kind of fungible, right? Like, like, like yeah. we've talked about the idea that you could just have a cycling one card in any color 
even if you're not playing that color and you're cycling. Right. right. And the difference between having a draw a draw a draw through stinger in that slot versus having a random cycling one, you know, ambush in that slot is big, but you'll survive. So it kind of works both ways. Interesting. So I would that's, say that's my not a clear answer for you from you yet. Yeah, I, I think that the thing about the the other reason Psycho Deck is so good is because you find your rare, whatever it is, much more often. So if you have two or three good rares, you're acting like you have four or five good rares. So, rather than two so or wait, three. So it's a benevolent leader format where, yeah. <laughs> where well, the prince and the paupers get along really well? Get, the only reason I get to do the cycling deck so often is because people haven't figured out that it's that these cycling cards are stupid. When the cycling one card stop going 12, it'd be a lot harder to make that work. Um, I think fundamentally it's more princey. I think that the rares are very good and also just it's very, very easy to get the rest of the deck to work to build around whatever rares you have unless those rares involve a companion restriction. Right. right? If, you, if you get a companion for a weird restriction, all bets are off and weirdness happens. But if you get just a normal good deck full of stupid cards, Stupid things happen. It definitely feels like a format where sometimes people will just be way ahead because their cards are dumb. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple cards like uh, Eluna Apex of Wishes or, or Ghidra, uh, depending on which version yeah, of the card you see. Yeah, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of that, that card's just absurd. No, there, there's a basically you can show up without rares and without companions. Right, without that, without, without brokenness. And sometimes they won't have it either. And you'll play a game of magic and right. it'll be fine. But sometimes they'll show up with the stuff and then you'll feel like you weren't even in it. Yeah. Yeah. And I that's mean, a problem. Yeah. The, the rare games definitely feel like, okay, there was nothing I could do here. Yes. I definitely have a significant number of games in this format where I feel like there was nothing that one of us could have done. As long as the draft was vaguely the way that they thought of, right? There was no point in this entire limited experience where they could have done something powerful enough to compete here, right? And that's just how it is. Normally, it's them, but you know, it has been me as well. Yeah. Well, I guess right. we're gonna well, wrap it up. Yeah, we're there. gonna wrap it up here. We'll come back. We'll do another episode tomorrow. We'll 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 finish up. We'll talk our way through. Um, the remaining commons and uncommons, and then maybe talk a little bit about some of, you know, the rares and companions, maybe in limited. Um, Brian David Marshall, Zvi Moshowitz for Top 8 Magic. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with another episode within, uh, within the next day or so. Thanks so much. All right, bye.